this week, I'm talking about healing mother and father wounds. However, I'm not really referring to my human parents. I'm really talking about those big universal mother, father energies who have been depicted across human history, culture, religion, an endless amount of times. They have always been there, will always be there, and are really just waiting to help you feel so supported and loved. And all you have to do is allow them to. For me, this journey began in my first Bufo ceremony. After the heavy realizations that came with healing ancestral wounds within ceremony, I had a really hard time redefining my sense of safety and comfort. And I was presented with a new lesson. And I'm not going to lie, I, I resisted and I numbed out. And I did everything I could to step away from trust for a couple of months with the help of Amazonian plant medicines, acupuncture, Chinese herbs, and of course, ceremony, working with my guides and my ancestors, working with my higher self, I have stepped away from resistance and into trust. Highlights from this episode. How releasing trauma can feel so good, regardless of how scary it looks or sounds. My struggles with my relationships with weed, a mother medicine, and how I shifted a historically toxic relationship with it. An acupuncture protocol I received to help me face what I was running from. My reintroduction with father energy after years of rejecting any semblance of the Catholic mold of God the Father, which I grew up with. Details into a new and powerful ceremony I've created called the Golden Ceremony. And the unexpected connections I've made with the Hindu deities, Kali and Shiva, and how they've helped me release shame. Speaking of shame... To be completely transparent with you all, it was surprisingly difficult for me to get to a place to feel comfortable and safe sharing this episode. It's definitely one of those really raw ones and I talk about things that I'm not entirely resolved on and yeah, it's just every time I've listened to this probably five times now and every time I have a new way to judge myself, a new thing that I cringed at or whatever it was. And after sitting on this episode for about a month, I've done a lot of work. I've definitely shifted so many mindsets, so many judgments, and I'm really excited to share this medicine with you. And while I completely trust you to hold space for me, to listen with love and without judgment, If anything I do say triggers something within you to judge me or to think of to judge yourself, use that as your medicine. Use that as your mirror. Let that be your guide into where the next path ahead is for you because as you will soon learn is the shame that I've been feeling coming up over the past couple of months has been my guide into where I need to let go and surrender. So it's definitely an episode with a lot of strong medicine. My last announcement before we dive in, it's taken a lot of thought, a lot of resistance, a lot of surrender, and I have decided to pump the brakes a little bit on the podcast. And rather than publishing an episode every week for the next couple of months while school is just pummeling my ass, (laughs) I'm going to publish every other week. So next week's episode, which is 
an interview with the magical Larissa, who is an embodiment coach, is going to be not next Monday, but the Monday after. Again, it's only for a short period of time. In June, I will be going to Peru to do a 10-day dieta. And then when I return from that dieta, we will go back to every week with the podcast, as far as I know for now. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love. Thank you for being here. And that's it for me. Time to dive in. You are listening to the School of Whispers podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie, and this is my space to get real, open, and weird about my life experiences as a psychic, medium, energy healer, and student of Chinese medicine. On the show, I'll be sharing my healing journey and the concepts I've learned along the way, and I'll be having guests on talking about the same sort of thing. I am so happy you're here, and I hope this show leaves you feeling inspired and empowered to learn how to listen to the whispers of your own body and spirit. Let's get into the show. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to be here. This is the first time in a while that I've recorded a solo cast and it's really, really, I think this is my favorite. I don't know about you guys, but I, I love listening to interviews, but I would say my favorite podcasts are the ones where my my person, my podcaster is sitting here alone and really conversing and, and sharing deep from within. And in School of Whispers style, that's what we're going to do here. So I just finished the hape ceremony and I have no idea where you are at in your day, but I want to bring you to this grounded ceremony with me. So go ahead. If you're driving, you know, don't close your eyes. <laughs> if you're not, close your eyes with me. Take a deep breath in. Open your mouth, let it go. Make it a circular breath here. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Last one. Inhale. Hold. Exhale. Feeling into your body, maybe bringing a hand to where you want it, and maybe bring a smile to your face. Put some pressure wherever you have your hand on your body. Put some pressure around that area. Let it know I'm here. We are here. And call in your ancestors, your guides, and your higher self to come and sit with us. You can stay like this for however long you want. 
So a lot has happened since I've done a solo cast and I've shared bits and pieces here and there in the interviews that I've done. And I'm going to be, yeah, so right now it's it's actually March 8th, but this isn't going to be published for a couple of weeks because there's a lot of context that you need to listen in on so that you can understand where I've been, what's going on. And if this is your first episode on the show, welcome, 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 welcome. If you are starting to hear me blab on about things and you're kind of like, and I'll do my best to give you context here, but check the show notes. I have related episodes and particularly the two that are specifically related to this episode are I would say one, the people-pleasing revolution, two, the whispers of celibacy and channeling, Kali with Vanita, and then, of course, three, my Bufo report that I did with my girl Casey. It's definitely, this right now, what I'd like to share, I'm on, I, I, I wanted to talk about it weeks, a month ago, and I just didn't have the time. School's been so intense. And I, you know, I realize in hindsight, it's because I was in the thick of it. And I don't, sometimes being in the thick of it, there's a lot of merit and value in sharing what's going on. But I think I was really running in circles and running away a lot from that point until now and I'm definitely in a more grounded place to share and so what this topic is about is about inviting in and 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 getting to know what it means to have a mother and a father in my life and it has nothing to do with my human mom and dad but it has everything to do with my mother and my father and I mean this in a sense of like that energetic um that energetic symbol symbol of that entire encompassed energy so I'm not going to be talking specifically about my parents at all because I want to be respectful of them and I know my mom is a very private person I am going to be sharing, though, how I've gotten to this place and what the hell this all is. Before I do, it's so funny. I want to share this with you. So I have this Animal Power book by one of my favorite shamans, podcasters, influencers, Allison Charles. She has a book called Animal Power and, and a deck called Animal Power. Allison, you know, just let me let me sponsor you here <laughs> and i i use the book as like, like a divination tool and i open the book well first i say i ask for a guide who's here to guide me in communicating this lesson on the podcast and i open the book and out comes the frog <laughs> which is so crazy because it was through the frog medicines of Compo and Bufo that I've gotten to this place. And the frog, I have the book open right here. So many parallels here. The frog has to do with water, healing, moving forward, emotions, wealth, and cleansing toxicity. And something about the frog's medicine that really stood out to me is 
when your emotions may be intense, the frog urges you to sit with them instead of pushing them away. And for so long, these emotions have been utterly terrifying for me. And I have absolutely pushed them away. Actually, now that I'm saying that, another really closely related episode to this would be the whispers of the inner child. And again, that's in the show notes. Another thing that I found was pretty cool is in Chinese mythology, which if you don't know by now, I'm studying Chinese medicine. So I love that she added a little note on this. In Chinese mythology, the frog is a female spirit. So the yin energy and symbolizes healing and abundance. Okay, so where do I begin? Well, I guess it would be helpful for me to talk about Bufo, because I, I, I'm going to give Bufo, Bufo the credit for this realization and this opening for me. And so Bufo is a, a toad from the, the desert in southwestern America. And it is it has this venom. And I talk deeper into this on the Bufo episode. But Bufo's venom has a really potent compound called 5-MeO-DMT. And if you've heard of ayahuasca, ayahuasca has it enables the body to be flooded with DMT. And a typical ayahuasca journey is about eight hours. So it's, it's DMT spread out over that amount of time. Whereas Bufo, 5-MeO-DMT, is DMT <laughs> hitting you hard all at once within some people say 20 minutes for me my experience was two hours but the way that my practitioner did it was very different it was titrated so there's a um the first hit was small the second hit was medium and I could have actually gone more for the second hit but I mean for the third hit but the second hit was I (laughs) I fucking blasted off guys and I It was a little bit hard for me to remember how to breathe and a little bit difficult at points for me to fully contain the experience in my body. And I I wasn't containing it in my body, really. It was completely moving through my body. My whole body was wiggling and writhing and it turned on my light language. And it was so intense that I couldn't imagine doing more. So I asked my practitioner if I could do the same amount rather than the last big, big hit and it was it was perfect it was really perfect and it was in that third hit of bufo that i experienced my parents childhood trauma one was a trauma that i knew of and the other wasn't and it was such an intense hard to believe sort of experience. I remember in in one of the experiences, I'm watching this happen and it wasn't just my parents' trauma. It was actually one of it was my, my grandparents' trauma. And, and, and who knows how far down the line this trauma goes. But I remember watching and thinking, I'm looking over at my parent who's watching and my parent is like four years old here And I see on their face that they can't believe that this is happening. And I remember saying out loud, I can't believe this is happening. And I hear Bufo say to me, well, your parent to your left is a child in this memory. Of course, a child is struggling to make sense of the truth 
and the reality. But you, you chose to be here. You are an adult and you have to believe that this is happening because look at how it's affected your parent. And again, I'm not going to get into the details of how it's affected my one parent over their lifetime that this trauma has done for them, but it seriously has affected their health. And it's crazy. It's crazy. And I haven't even talked to them about it. I've just more been asking, giving them phone calls and just asking about the family tree and asking about my grandparents who I never really got to know uh, my maternal or paternal grandparents very well. My abuela on my mom's side, Georgina, she's definitely a really strong, potent spirit guide for me. She was there the first time I ever called in spirit. And so I do have a strong relationship with her, but the rest of them, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a struggle for me because I, I didn't know them. And what was really interesting, and I, I do touch more on this within the Bufo episode, was on the outsides, my best friend in the whole world, Casey, she did the experience with me and she was in the room experiencing my, watching my experience. And on the outside, I am screaming bloody murder and crying so hard and, and, and asking the practitioner to comfort me and, and the practitioner's comforting me. And, it's so, it was just so intense. And on the outside, she's watching me thinking, oh my God, my girl is suffering. Like someone help her, help her stop suffering. But the reality is, is it felt so good. It felt so good on the inside for me. There was not a moment within my screams or my sobs that I was like, I hate this. I loved it. I loved every second of it because it was stuck inside for way too fucking long. And, and I know, and I know that I did it for my children, my unborn children. <laughs> but so coming home from Bufo, and again, if you listen to the episode, I go into more how difficult it was. But one thing that happened for me is I realized that the parents that I always thought I had is not it's not true (laughs) they're more than my mom and my dad they are a son and a daughter and a brother and a sister and a lover and a wife and a husband and all these things are so much more than my parents but when we're little especially my mom my mom was my every or she is (laughs) she is my everything I love you mama but you know she was in a lot of ways my mother and my father she was my best friend growing up and she was that person when I was afraid who I I came to for, for her to handle it, whether it was a monster under the bed or financial aid in college or, oh my God, <laughs> or a, a debt collector coming after me. Oh, that happened in undergrad, a total money wound thing, but that's another story for another day. But my mom was always there to save the day. And as grateful as I am for that, and I was actually um, talking to a coach about it, and I was telling her, because something that I've realized is I'm trying to work on my money wounds. And because of my mom, who has had to be in her masculine 
so much in her life because she was that for me and being in her masculine for me was taking care of everything, everything and anything. It, it enabled me to really step into my feminine and, and to have a sense of familiarity of what it means to be in my feminine. And now in my life, I'm in my master's program and it's so hardcore and there's, I don't, anyone who's able to work full time and support themselves fully, I, I tip my hat to you. And that's just not a, that's not the path for me. That is a one-way ticket to burnout for me. And I have my husband here to support me. And I am, and I, I moved through, I have moved through so much guilt and shame around that. Unfortunately, I spent a lot of time wasting, wasting my emotions on feeling guilty for being so fucking held and supported. To this day, my mom still supports me in so many ways. But what the coach pointed out is I struggle to step into my masculine because at the end of the day, I need to support myself so that I can fully, fully, fully on a nervous system level surrender into my feminine. And that's a struggle for me. But anyways, so what I have really been struggling with is losing that person, that parent figure who will always take care of anything and everything, no matter what, who's there to scare the monsters away and to tuck me in and kiss me on the forehead. Because of this realization that my parents, they have to carry so much, so much. They're not on this healing path like I am. And I know that we all heal in our own ways, but I know that they're still carrying this. And so I have had to make space to show up as more than the daughter. I've had to make space to show up as the healed ancestor, as the the the, the person who knows <laughs> much more than they think that I know. And to see my parents as the wounded son or the wounded daughter. I hope I'm painting a picture that makes sense for you here. So when I came back from Bufo, I, before Bufo, I I have here and there over my life, especially 2019 and 2020, struggled with my relationship with the, the plant medicine, but the, it's a medicine, but the plant marijuana, just smoking weed at any point where my emotions are too much, where it's too difficult to feel and I feel so alone and I'm craving comfort or, and, and, and when I say feel, I mean like emotionally, but also physically, physiologically in my body. My body really likes to talk to me <laughs> when things aren't right. And sometimes it's the body talking before I have any sort of emotion that I can really articulate. And I was in a really good place um, around tw- the year of 2022. I was in a really good place with my relationship with weed. But post Bufo, I started to slip down the slope of first it was smoking every day. And then it was smoking twice a day before every workout craving, 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 smoking weed. And yeah, in 2021, 2022, I really learned about intention setting. And so I 
created this practice before smoking weed. I'd sit with the plant and I'd listen. I'd hear what she had to say. And then I would share what I'd have to say. And then I would ask for whatever it is that I needed. And it got to the point where after Bufo, where it was like, I, I was trying to make an intention or listen or talk. And it was just the same thing every time. Please comfort me. Please bring me safety. Please bring me this, that, this, that, this, that. And I knew that I was just, I was abusing. I was abusing the medicine. And there was no purpose behind it other than to numb. And God, when you know that you're doing something to numb, it's so difficult because there's this side of me that, that, wants to enable myself to have comfort because I do so I work so hard I do so much work my human life can get so damn hectic and then there's this other side who's like but you're so much better than this but you don't need this but there's something else on the other side that (laughs) that that is waiting for you it just became this battle for from December January February and in okay it's funny because now that I realize it's only been a couple of months it feels like a lifetime but I in February oh and then what was also going on is I was having a lot of respiratory issues I was wheezing all the time hocking up phlegm waking up in the middle of night choking coughing sputtering I can't breathe all this awful feeling like I couldn't breathe And I knew that something that was contributing to that mess was smoking weed every night. And by that point, I'd cut myself down once in the the evening, just once in the evening. But it, it felt so wrong. So yeah, in late January, February ish, I finally stopped. I finally stopped smoking. And I had a moment of kind of breaking down to a treater, one of the treaters at school, Kelly. I love you, Kelly. And I told her how ashamed I am that I don't have control over my relationship with this plant. And I'm somebody who I, since I was young, I never wanted to take Motrin. I never liked feeling like I needed a medicine or something all the time with me in order to feel whole and or or to feel fine like baseline okay and so that was also really getting to me too because I just knew this isn't me but yet it's here and here I am and I, I remember saying to the treater that I know I feel like there's something on the other side of this something that I've been running from for a long time I I think it's it's dusk right now, and this is the hour where my cat, Viracocha, likes to sing. So you probably hear in the background. But anyways, we did an acupuncture protocol to help with digging deeper. So Kelly needled a point on me called bladder one. So where that is, is we have that inner corner of our eye. It's called our your inner canthus and if you take a finger and slide just straight up and kind of move your eyeball over to the side you will find that point in that intraorbital space that hollow space where your eyeball sits in your skull 
And this point helps with deep insight. It helps you see clearly. It helps you find answers. And while I was on the table, it was actually really quiet. It felt like I was able to feel silence for the first time in a while. And when I got off the table and was pulling myself back together, putting my socks and shoes on, I realized, you know, that whole time up to that point, I had been feeling, oh, there are reasons why I want to stop. There are reasons why I want to stop. But it was like it came to me very, very clearly as I was closing myself off from that treatment that I, I had to stop because there was something on the other side of that. And a lot of it had to do, I realized at that point, was with my realizations in Bufo, what I was, I had this, I would be driving home from school and I would have this, or from anywhere, and I would have so often this feeling like I just wanted to cry and cry and say out loud, like I miss my mom or just say mama and I actually I gave myself a few moments to do that um throughout that time and I was really confused by it like just not really sure what where it was coming from what was all about and in that moment I realized oh it's it's not about you missing your mom it's about you missing out on having that feeling held like feeling fully held no matter what by this universe and I was running from this feeling of not being held and there not being anything on the other side. Like, what if there was nothing on the other side that was waiting for you to love you and to hold you and to welcome you home? And so, yeah, I was using that. I was using weed to avoid any sort of realizations around that. And from that day, I decided, okay, no more smoking weed. No more smoking weed. And that night, I did a hape ceremony, and I also did sananga. And if you don't know what those are, they are plant medicines from the Amazon. Check the show notes and listen in on that episode. I go deep into sananga. I have yet to get into hape, but that's coming soon. And within that ceremony, I, I really asked for help in releasing my relationship with marijuana and that's really when that realization of mother came in that I'm missing that connection with the mother the capital M mother who I feel often I have felt often but it's like it it just something shifted something pulled me away from that and I think it was just that whole experience the 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 gravity of that experience really had me honing in on my human mother rather than my galactic mother <laughs> my interdimensional pachamama whatever you want to call it and that night i made a commitment to myself that every time i craved smoking weed i would do sananga and if you're not familiar with Sananga, Sananga is a pain teacher. It also has a compound in it called Ibogaine, which helps with addiction. So it was really just so perfect. And it's so painful. <laughs> and you fucking bet that 
for the next two or three days, I was coming home in the evening, right around this time at night, around 6.30, and craved getting high, craved numbing out. And what I did instead was put liquid lightning in my eyeballs, and I sat in my shit. I've, I've heard somewhere on a podcast that marijuana is a mother medicine. And when one finds himself really attached to the behavior of smoking every day, it's an attachment to mother. It's an obsession with mother. And it's okay to love your mom. It's okay to want to hold her close to you. What's not okay is being a grown-ass adult and refusing to fly from the nest and refusing to feel your feelings on your own. You're growing, You're walking around if you're doing that. And I've done it so many times and I know we fluctuate between being the wounded child and being our higher self, but God, I was walking around in a human adult suit as a wounded, scared little baby. And yeah, I had to face so much, so much in myself within those couple of days of Sananga and 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 following that. Lo and behold, guess what happened when I stopped smoking? My wheezing stopped. All of my respiratory issues calmed down. I did not calm down. I was having intense anxiety. I was having insomnia. I was in the shit. And all and if looking at it from a Chinese medicine perspective, when you're smoking and you're putting heat in the body, you are adding you're drying out your yin your yin energy that fluid that water that femininity the frog and I was so deficient in my yin that well for a long time my period has been excessively painful and every time I tuned in I have tuned in afterwards asking all right how can I help my period my guys were like, stop fucking smoking weed. <laughs> stop smoking. And I am still waiting for my period to come. And it's it's been about a month since this whole thing. And I haven't felt her yet. I'm hoping after stopping putting so much heat in my body that it won't be so painful anymore. I have been taking herbs to help nourish my yin. So the anxiety is gone. I'm, I'm having good sleep. And I have been connecting with mother. And I've actually, what I've really been feeling is the mother within, the mother within me. It's so crazy. So my my husband, Mana, and I, we like within the first couple of months of dating, like, we knew that what we want to name our kids. We wanted, I want, I've always wanted to name my daughter Georgina after my grandma, after my abuela. And actually, maybe it was after we got married that we decided on the name Henry for a boy. And what's so wild is over the past month, they've been showing up everywhere. My friend Casey was reading a book and George and Henry showed up. I was on a walk and written in the pavement was Georgia and Henry. So of course, you know, it's not perfect. I don't think Georgina is the most common name. But 
they're everywhere and I feel them so strongly more than ever in my meditations and oh I had this vision the enduring hot bay the other day of I was it was the future and I was in my practice doing acupuncture and my dream is to own property in Costa Rica and to have my office on my property and as I'm walking to my office in this vision, I see my son come up to me and he's like, mama, mama, I need da, 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 like coming at me rapid fire. I need you to do all of this. And my first reaction was, I don't have time to do this. I need to go and be with my patient. Like you need to figure it out and walked away. And I remember watching that vision and being like, I don't like how I handled that. And so I rewound the clock and I said the exact same words to him. But instead, when he came up to me with his rapid fire, I need help, I need help. I got down on my knee and I held his precious little face and I said, I don't have time. I, my time right now is to be with my client, my patient. I need you to figure this out. I know you can figure this out. Kiss him on the forehead, <laughs> run along. And so there's been a really big shift inside of me. No, I'm not pregnant, guys. No. <laughs> um, but it's like I'm I'm being prepared energetically, I think, for that, that transition into motherhood. But, you know, I don't think it's going to be a couple of years. It's going to be a couple of years before I'm ready to get pregnant. I need to dot my I's and cross my T's, as I love to say. <laughs> And so within that very hape ceremony that I had with myself, I also, for the first time, was introduced to a brand new energy that was father, that was capital F father. And I grew up in the Catholic religion. I went to Catholic school until my my last year of high school, and so I was exposed to a lot of the whole God the Father type of stuff and I was I was super into it as a kid I I wanted to be a saint I wanted to be a nun and (laughs) I I mostly wanted to be these things because I really felt this strong desire to hide away from the world and that is I'm gonna get into that in in a little bit this this tendency that I've always had to to yeah to crawl up to the highest tower the highest cave on the top of the mountain and to hold myself in there and not come out and to I don't know sit with God I don't really know what I expect to find there and of course that craving I think will always be there it's always a part of my soul but there's a fine line between craving that because it's time to be alone it's time to learn and listen and then the other side of it of feeling like none of my boundaries have been placed and I feel drained and and also afraid of being truly seen I think sometimes I'd rather hide away than to show myself because that feels so terrifying and so feeling that father energy for the first time it felt so different because I have a little I have a bit of restrained relationship with my dad and after within high school yeah within early high school I kind of was just like what's the whole point of religion like 
what is this actually? What, what happens if I don't follow the 10, 10 commandments? Is God really going to smite me? Is God even there? Does God even love me? And it, it was for years that I just, I lost my, my sense of connection to, to God, to, to father. And I didn't want anything to do with it. I really, honestly, I haven't been seeking it out either. I, I do remember, and I wrote a blog post about this. I'll put it in the show notes that in 2021, I did a hero's dose of mushrooms and I, I, well, I felt the call to do it, but I didn't know why I had to do it until the very morning. I think I had school that day. So that morning I was watching a a reel on one of the Aubrey Marcus's fit for service retreats. And it was all about the divine masculine. And I remember when I first saw it, something in me was like, "Ugh, I would hate to do something like that. Like I hate to go to retreat like that. Like I don't like, well, I'm different now, but at the time I didn't really like the idea of performing and being seen or dancing or being competitive or aggressive I mean, yes, no, still a huge side of me turns my nose up at those things, like thinking I'm better than that. But the truth is, is a deep side of my soul fucking craves that. I, I, I crave that so much and it terrifies me. And so while I'm watching this video, I just started crying, like bawling, crying. I was like, what the fuck? Why am I crying over this video of something that I don't even want to do? And then I went to school that morning and then that afternoon and I think it was like late afternoon. I started, oh, I think I, I went to work that day. It doesn't really matter. But I, my mushroom ceremony ended up being all about healing my relationship with my dad and healing or beginning that healing journey of the divine masculine. And here I am once again not realizing this is what I've needed, not calling it in at all, realizing, oh, this is what I need. And since then, it's interesting because I have found myself craving that father energy to come back in and I feel really safe with him. And that's really not something normal for me. It it takes me a long time to feel comfortable around men to feel safe around and trusting of men and so to crave a masculine energy is very new so I'm gonna pause you there at that hape ceremony that I had and I'm actually gonna backtrack you to so that ceremony was on Friday and I'm gonna backtrack you to the weekend before that so the weekend before that my girl Vanita, she came over and we had a, I call it golden ceremony. So, oh, this is my first time talking about this on the podcast. So I, I've been hosting ceremonies and this is an offering that hopefully by now I will have on my website, but um, yeah, I, I'm going to, mm, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to make that a goal for myself, but I don't want to let myself down. Okay. I'm going to make that a goal for myself by the time this podcast is out. You will look at my website, schoolwhispers.com, and you will find Golden Ceremony as an offering. So what this ceremony is, is we start with doing hape together. And um, whenever medicine is around my light language, it just, it flows right through me. So the whole time I'm just 
singing or channeling, chanting. And after we do hape, um, which is such a love grounding medicine, it's a grandfather medicine. And when I refer to any plant medicine as grandmother, grandfather, mother, father, you know, he or she, it's not because these plants literally have a gender. It's because they have a masculine or feminine energy. So a feminine energy plant has is like ayahuasca is a great example because it's it's chaos. It's we're going inside, we're going outside, we're connecting with other people and then we're connecting with our ancestors and then all of a sudden we're in the abyss and there's not you don't really have like a linear linear sense of time as we know it with a feminine energy. So think of that that mother Kali, that chaos. Whereas a masculine energy is more of a, I would say, personally, a somatic experience. And it's more linear. There is a beginning, a middle, and an end. And there's it. it's easier to know what's going to happen <laughs> with it versus something like ayahuasca. You never know what's going to happen. And it's, it's more of a... Um, for me, I would say, like hape, for example, helps me organize my thoughts. However, if I'm doing hape that's mixed with ayahuasca, I'm doing that more to get into my feelings, get into my darkness and purge things and and to, to sort of lose that linear aspect of my mind. I really hope that made sense. But yes, hape is a grandfather masculine energy. And so, yeah. We start my ceremonies, golden ceremonies with hape, and then I do some drumming. We do breath work together. And then you lay down on um, a mat or the couch and we do sananga. And then as you're marinating the sananga, I, I feel like everyone's field becomes very slippery as sananga's working with them because she does so much purging work. And so it's very easy for me to pull out your blockages, any entities, any any attachments on your field, which is necessary for the third and final step of a golden ceremony, which is doing an esoteric acupuncture protocol called Golden Needle. Wow, I'm calling in all the episodes <laughs> today. Golden Needle, I talk about in my esoteric um, covering of acupuncture in, check the show notes for that one. But Golden Needle, it puts you in a trance state that's so deep and lifts your vibration so high and thins the veil so much that even if you're not psychic, you start to have a psychic experience. And what I love about these medicines and acupunctures, they're not psychedelics. They're not going to force you to be tripping balls like you're on mushrooms or bufo or ayahuasca. It's, it's a subtle medicine and it's gentle. Maybe Sananga is not gentle, but um, the golden needle is as gentle as you need it to be. And I love it because I am no longer the one doing all the psychic work. It's you doing it. And I'm teaching you how to make sense of it, how to ask the right questions, how to, to lean in and, and tune in. And so I had a ceremony of that with my friend Vanita and it was, and she's not ready for me to share it in detail, but it was a huge turning point for me. 
as you know, or you may know, Vanita is a, a channel for the deity of the goddess Kali, who is the goddess of chaos. And, and she's a healer. She is a healing goddess of chaos. And she, Vanita's also, her crown is very open. And so she, while she can channel for Kali, she is also able to manifest Kali. So Kali will manifest through her human form. And so towards the end of Golden Needle, she begins to manifest and Mother Kali is in the room and she starts talking and and Vanita will come on the show and this is her story to tell. But at one point she addresses me and Vanita's eyes are closed and we're all like close to her listening. And with her eyes closed, she looks at me and her voice is changed. She has an accent that isn't hers. And she says, Stephanie, you are one of my sisters. This is what Kali says through Vanita. And hey, I say, I know, I know I am. And she said how my Shakti is about to, which is like my healing Kundalini powers are about to kind of blow up and all this stuff. And when, when one is about to manifest, what, what happens is their body starts to tingle and, and kind of get goosebumps all over in waves. And then they start to laugh and just, they start to like kind of roll almost like a snake or like Kundalini energy. And the, the laughter is very, it's a very distinct, um, thing for, for manifestation. And towards the end of it, I could feel myself giggling uncontrollably. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. I don't know who's here to manifest in me, but I don't know what that means. I don't know what that feels or looks like. I'm not ready. And so I shut the door on that one. So that was a really weird, interesting breakthrough moment for me, realizing, oh, there's more. <laughs> there's more <laughs> to the the journey, the unfolding, the strangeness that is my life. <laughs> and 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 then after that, Vanita was saying to me, Oh, I I you're next, Steph, you're next. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and one thing that I was telling Vanita and her brother was how there is this one form of my voice when I'm speaking in light language that that is that is like my higher self and I call my higher self Vishada. It's a name that came to me in ceremony and I haven't read it anywhere. I hadn't heard of it. I didn't even think to look it up. But I told them, you like when Vishada's here, I'm never afraid. I know that she is going is there he's here to protect me and she's a badass warrior and no one can fuck with her. And right before Vanita came over, I was in the bath and I was just prepping myself through meditation and I I saw it was I couldn't see the face, but I saw a being step in and she had antlers and these little bells, like little Tibetan bells hanging from her antlers. So I share all this with Vanita and her brother. And at the end of the ceremony, her brother goes, you know, uh, Steph, Vishada is a form of Kali. It's actually the Tibetan form of Kali. And I'm like, what? Huh? 
and chills just slide all through my body and later that um, a couple days later Vanita sent me a link and I look into it and yeah it's Vishada is Kali (laughs) Vishada is Kali another form of her and it put me in a weird place I felt really spooked which I don't feel I don't feel good saying that out loud Because saying it out loud to you, I'm realizing that I am afraid, I am admitting that I'm afraid of a side to myself that is infinitely, infinitely power and glorious and and that's always been a part of me. And she has been someone that I turn to, but within that week, I started to feel myself spiral a bit and fear stepped in and I felt myself distancing myself from Vishada. Because I was so afraid of what was next. What does it mean for my Shakti to open up? It was it was my human looking around and being like, well, hold on, hold on. I already feel the need to speak a different language at random points of the day sometimes. And forget it when plant medicine is in the room, if I'm doing a healing. And it's unfortunate that when I do healings at school, for the most part, if someone's not open... I swallow it. And then I, after I do the healing in clinic, I have to go outside and just like, blah, like sneeze it out almost all the light language out. Because when I hold it in, I feel worse. I don't feel good. It, it affects my body negatively. And, and so my human's like, great. Another thing to make me strange, to make me feel like I don't belong, to make me feel a little bit alienated and set aside from normal humans, Stephanie, or the normal humans around me. My, my husband, Mana, I love you, Mana. He's so human. He's so weirded out by me and he loves me. And he he has these moments where he steps out of fear and into like awe and and wanting to support me and and no matter what, he always wants and he always shows me like, I'm here, I'm on your side but there's still this this fear of being rejected, of him seeing my full form and being like, no, that's too much. It's too much. Hmm. Within that week, I started, like my health started to fail me. I started to feel exhausted. That was when a lot of the insomnia was coming through. I was, yeah, going through it. And this is all within that time of meeting mother, meeting father, working with Sananga, quitting my relationship with weed, or not quitting, changing, rewriting my relationship with weed. And then, so we are, we are back to Friday, that hot bay ceremony when father came in. And that night, that Friday night, my friend Casey, my girl, you know her, if you don't listen to her episodes with me, she's such a silly, wonderful human. And so she came to Orlando to stay with me on for the weekend, and I asked her to support me within a golden ceremony. So Saturday morning, <laughs> I it's funny, I woke up in a chipper mood, and the moment we started to sit down for ceremony, I started to feel anxious, and I lost my humor. Like Casey was trying to crack jokes, and I was just so not, so not wanting it. <laughs> 
And I, I just wanted to get, get into it and get, like, get it over with almost like this feeling of like, oh, let's just fucking get this done. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to just go right into my golden needle experience because it really tied a lot home for me. So in golden needle, I am presented with this horrific past life where I'm this little girl, I'm like four years old and it, it doesn't, it didn't feel, the thing is, is I don't know, I don't know if past life's the right word. I feel like I've done golden needle and done so many past life regressions that I'm starting to, rather than go into human earthly past lives, I'm starting to experience multidimensional past lives. So saying that I was human probably isn't the most accurate <laughs> way to put it. To say I was on earth is definitely not accurate. It, I was being, I had my, someone, I was a little girl and I was, I, I saw like this massive like cathedral type thing and this old man in robes, these two old men in robes where one of them was holding my hand and I was, all the people were dressed in like browns, like almost like peasants and there were like drones walking, 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 like chaotic. And then it was like something told them stop and then they slowly just start turning their head towards me and they get into this formation that creates a pathway to the cathedral. I'm wearing white and the priests are wearing red and green. And when we eventually entered, we're about to enter the cathedral. I remember them putting something on my head that covered my crown. I walk inside this cathedral and it looks kind of like a classic church, except it's really dark and it's all reds lighting and there's pews and there's people chained to the pews and there's sobbing. Somebody's like, trying to saw off their leg it was just gruesome and I'm a child who's confused and I see at the end of the the church or whatever you want to call it the the temple there's a table and there's a body on the table and there's another priest thing there hey sorry that was my mana he just came home Okay, so there was another priest that was at the altar table and he was pulling out organs and like putting them in buckets. And there was like a little altar boy that was like drawing the, dragging the buckets away. And they had the face of the body covered. Also, oh yeah, by the way, uh, it's about to get gory here. So hang in there. So I walk up and they lift me up and they they like look in my face and they say, you're going to go and sit inside of this. And I'm like, okay. And I'm in total fawn mode, total freeze. Whatever you say, I guess I'll do it. And oh, the body has ribs sawed off. It was just a total cavern. And so I'm sitting in this sticky body, really feeling so disgusted and terrified like what the fuck why am i i had no clue why i was here and then another priest comes and gives me some like a wafer type bread from the basket and so i i eat it and i ask what is this why why am i why are you feeding me and they go it's your mother and they pull off the rag off the body that i'm sitting in and it's my father and, oh wow all right, I just made that connection there, huh? 
And I remember spitting out the wafer and throwing it at the man and standing up and the the man stabs me with this scepter that he has right in the stomach. Not hard, just enough to be inside my gut and to be painful enough. And, and by the way, a lot of the anxiety that was happening for me that week was all manifesting in my solar plexus just below my sternum. So he stabbed me right there and it just, and he just got me to sit right back down. And I asked why, why is this happening? And they said, oh, your parents betrayed us. They knew that this would happen and they did it anyways. And so of course the feelings that rush through me are betrayal and feeling like my parents don't care about me, feeling so alone and abandoned, abandoned, huge, huge, huge abandonment. And I, I remember just them pulling out the scepter and me just bleeding out in there and feeling, feeling, and I remember like human Stephanie is the whole time saying, sharing this with Casey going, what the fuck? What the fuck? Why? 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 And I, eventually rise up and all of a sudden I'm in this other life and I've seen this one before the before I met Vanita right after I did ayahuasca I was home in my bed and I was introduced to the energy of Kali and she came in like a hurricane like was not asleep yet and was having intense violent images chaotic images um powerful really powerful and one of the the visions that I had was I was a child in on with my arms tied in a temple and I saw my own blood being poured out and flowing through these cracks on the floor of this temple that I was in so all of a sudden I was in that life once again I was like oh I'm here now okay and again, I asked why, and my guide said, there's a karmic debt. There's a karmic debt to be paid. So yeah, some some priest dude does another ceremony on me, and I bleed out, and I die. And as I'm lifted up through the... And this, this kind of had more of a, like a Mayan temple vibe. So... As I'm, I'm, my soul is ascending, it's like the top of the pyramid opens up and I see all these beings watching and they look so upset and so just disturbed. And one of them looks like Kali. And her, it's like, she's like this blue bean with a white face that's all painted and like this fl- flowing hair, fangs, red eyes, long tongue. And the closer I get to her, the more I dissolve and she absorbs me. And it feels like like mother is here to take and to take care of me. And the way she takes care of me is she starts an earthquake and the temple's rumbling. It's all crumbling apart. All these people in the area around innocent bystanders who had nothing to do with the ceremony are all dying. And I'm watching and my soul within Kali watching her destroy is like, yes, yes, fuck yeah, kill them all, kill them all, burn them all. Actually, it you know, I'm going to do a side tangent here for a moment. I watched within two months all eight seasons of Game of Thrones, and I know that a lot of people hate 
the last season. I honestly didn't hate it uh, when I first, I was confused. And of course, Daenerys was my girl. It broke my heart that she was the ultimate villain in the end. But rewatching it and going through all of this, I think I finished the the season that week. <laughs> a lot of a lot of big things happened that week for me. <laughs> and I realized that it was actually kind of brilliant because one, it's the world of Game of Thrones. There are no heroes. If you want a hero, you're gonna be fucking very disappointed. But how human, how human is it? For to have this character who has this strong duality of wanting to save and wanting to be all of light and turning to that destruction, burn them all, burn them all. So I really resonated with that, that last episode of Daenerys just burning them all. And, and so as I am back in that like collie form, experiencing all of that, it's, I, I, I'm starting to turn into shame as I'm watching this destruction. A part of Stephanie is like, well, no, I don't like seeing innocent people being hurt. I feel ashamed. And then I start crying. And I remember Casey asking, why are you, why are you crying? And I'm like, this isn't me. This isn't me. And then all of a sudden this blue bean with all these arms and these dancing legs comes in and it's a masculine energy and he pulls me right in and as he's holding me I'm like no no don't touch me don't hold me I'm not done I'm not done destroying and he holds me longer and then more and more shame comes in and I'm and like in in real life I'm just crying and crying and Casey's holding me and well, as much as he can, because I have needles in me. And I eventually feel that shame turn into acceptance. Like, oh, I can be all these things, so terrible, so dark, and to love that darkness and to crave more and to have bloodlust, and I'll still be held. Because the, the hold was just so gentle. So as I'm going through that, and I'm, I'm going to cut out a couple of things, for the sake of time but I'm feeling this burning burning sensation in my face on my right side and it's burning it's burning and Casey says well how about you try to harness that burn because I said out loud you know it's burning and I said also one thing I really want to let go of is self-judgment I'm so tired of judging myself I'm tired of judging others I just want to be free of that and she said, well, how about you use that burning that's in your face and you work on channeling it down into your stomach and you think about all those judgments and you use that fire to burn it all through your digestive system. Well, instead what happened is I was trying to move it down. It went up to my third eye and it shot fire. That fire just went out of my third eye and it just destroyed all of the judgment, I guess. So that golden needle experience ended with me feeling me losing that fear of, I guess, all sides to myself. The side of me that wants to be good, the side of me that wants to burn them all and who has the bloodlust and the desire to destroy and the desire to create and the, you know, like everything that is Kali. And 
the feminine, the chaos. And so that night, Casey and I went with Vanita to a Hindu temple to celebrate Shivrachi, with Shivrachi, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's to celebrate the Hindu god Shiva, who is known as the creator, the protector, the transformer of the universe, but he's also known as the destroyer, similar to Kali. So actually, so he's the Hindu god, he's blue, and he is the husband to Durgaya, who is who kind of just embodies that full feminine form in the Hindu culture, in the Hindu religion. And both of them, Shiva and Durga, they both have various forms of themselves. So Kali is a form of Durgaya. She is that that destructive feminine form of Durgaya. And in the Hindu story of Shiva and Kali, is is Kali, she was fucking shit up. She was in her bloodlust. And the only one who could tame her was Shiva. And that's why when you see that image of Kali, she's, you know, tongue out. She's got all these men's heads in her hands. And she's got her foot on the god Shiva. And he's on the ground. He exposes his, his, his belly to her to, to hold her, to tame her. And, and so Shivrachi is the night to celebrate Shiva's birthday, but also to celebrate his marriage to Durgaya. And so we're there. And before we go, Vanita's telling me the story of Shiva, how... Shiva has all these forms and in his yogi form, so he's covered in ash and he's got all these dreads, total babe, right? He meets uh, Parvati, who is is the most beautiful woman. And her dad is like, no, you're not going to marry. You're not going to marry my daughter. I mean, look at you. You look, you look like a yogi. (laughs) And so eventually, long story short, because Shiva and Parvati's father couldn't get along she ended up killing herself and Shiva turns into his form the destroyer and the way that he destroys everything around him and creates the other destroying gods in the Hindu religion is by shooting fire out of his third eye and I was like wait 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 can you say that again what does he do out of his third eye and she goes oh he shoots fire and out of his third eye and I'm like I did that earlier today and then we're at the temple and there's this there's this god that or it's it's a sculpture of a god that's brass sculpture and it's a big circle and on the inside is a god with all these arms and these dancing legs and I'm like, Vanita, who's that? She goes, oh, that's the form of Shiva, who is the destroyer. And I was like, oh, well, earlier today in my golden needle ceremony, he came in and held me against his chest. And so all these little things, again, that that whole Kali story and these infinite representations of divine masculine, divine feminine, mother, father, they're showing up for me in all these different ways and they're helping me rewrite my story and my reality into something entirely different, entirely new and empowering. But yeah, all these little things, like they brought me to that night. 
And I definitely, I feel like there's more to come. I'm very shifted. I feel like I'm in the phase where it's like I'm finding all the Easter eggs and I'm opening them up and it's like puzzle pieces inside the Easter eggs. And I'm slowly starting to put together the puzzle to figure out what is this next upgrade? What is this next initiation? What's what's going to happen? I don't know, but you're going to know eventually with me because of course this is this is how I make sense of things. This is how I share and this is how I feed that that desire to be seen and to be heard and accepted fully as I am. So thank you for being here and providing that for me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and If you would like to work with me, whether that's a golden ceremony, a reading, energy work, books are open, or if you're in the Orlando area, of course, ceremony is if you're in Orlando, and body work, stretch therapy, tweena, massage, cupping, all of that, you gotta be in Orlando, so maybe come and visit me. Every once in a while, I'm in West Palm Beach, so send me a message, and I can organize a work trip back down to West Palm. But yeah, you can find all that information in the show notes. If this episode resonated with you, reach out and let me know. Leave me your review. If you aren't already subscribed, do that now. And of course, share this with a friend who could use this storytelling to help them figure out their own little demon inside (laughs) and pull her out and give her a hug, I guess. All right. I will be feeling your energy next week.